Stand back, listeners, because I've got a couple of movie men here who are hungry like the wolf and ready to bear their teeth. Sharp as a blade, it's Johnny Smith. How you doing, Johnny? I'm okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, good. That's 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 better than not bad. Yeah. That is it on the right. scale. Yeah. But the scale doesn't go in between anywhere else. So. Well, the, is this <laughs> this is the Morrissey influence taking over your life? Just pure melancholy. Take those flowers out my back pocket. Yeah. And stronger <laughs> than a set of adamantium claws, oh. it's James Pugh. I thought you might like that nerdy... nerdy I did. I, lo- I loved it. I'm, you know, this is... I'm thriving. I can feel the energy. Feel well, for, well for, the, for the uninitiated listeners, I was thinking about putting stronger than a set of steel claws. But then, nice. you know, you've got to keep it, got to keep it accurate. You've got to presume a set of intelligence on our listeners. I'm no sure poetic licence in the movie, man. <laughs> Just pure factual accuracy. Well, if we haven't given it away already, we're going to be reviewing Logan tonight. And Logan is also the theme for our opening question as well. So the film was rated R in the US, which is obviously one of the higher ratings. Is it, they still have X in America. They've got NC-17, NC yeah. Which I don't think I've ever seen anything given a... No. In my years there. I should bring back X. But well, X is, sounds X, good, doesn't X, it? X, X rated is, is porn. Yeah, it's, 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 porn has because ruined They should X-rated. bring porn back. There's not enough of that porn it's stuff. It's its own rating. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, it's rated R in the US, despite being a favourite of both kids and adults alike in previous X-Men incarnations. So, what characters who are normally for a younger audience would you like to see made into a more adult-themed film? I'm going to start with Johnny. Uh, I've gone with... Well, I've, I've thought about it. I think Magic Roundabout, you know, the classic oh, yeah. 70s, <laughs> 60s kids' programme. Well, clearly Magic Roundabout, they're all off their head on drugs, which is fairly obvious, especially the rabbit, who's definitely, you know, off his rocker on mushrooms. Well, Zebedee's the big cokehead, isn't he? <laughs> well, this is what I thought. You could basically just make sort of train spotting out of Magic Roundabout. Oh, because, my God. I mean, Zebedee already looks like Begbie, <laughs> so there's easy casting in I never, there. I didn't Sounds know like I needed that well. so much. I need that so <laughs> So much in my life. <laughs> I think Do- Dougal the dog could be Renton. I think <laughs> I think Dougal, Dougal would have to be Spud a little bit because he's a bit like dopey, isn't he? Dougal? I thought the, the rabbit was was a bit loopy. I don't know. A bit too rabbit. chilled. Out. I remember he had flares. So maybe the rabbit would be Spud. Maybe Dougal would be Renton because it's that that friendly face and that greeting where you think he's a nice guy, but then he's the one that stabs back and leaves back. him. Yeah, and you don't expect it from Dougal. <laughs> but does Dougal do that in the Magic Roundabout? In this he, he could. <laughs> yeah, he true. could when everybody's stolen his drugs. Yeah. We're talking about, yeah, we're talking about it getting pretty dark, aren't we? So, the rabbit's ODing on the roundabout and the carousel going round and round. I thought so, you may have gone for a Mulholland Drive-esque version where it gets to the end of it and it's just like some guy passed out on a roundabout with like <laughs> a rabbit and like a, a coiled spring and he's just there holding these well magic roundabout would work really well for um oh, what's the one with ah uh, what well, where they're all withdrawing from drugs well, i can't remember it off the top of my head a requiem for, requiem a, dream. for a dream magic roundabout version of requiem for a dream yeah where they're all just basically dying off-drug withdrawal control. <laughs> I'd like turkey. to see the reality that they're in just like an abandoned yeah. fun fair and everything's yeah. cropped and there's no sun in Jolly Land. They've yeah. all just been on drugs for so long. A requiem for a roundabout. Yeah. With a yeah. working title. <laughs> for a roundabout. We'll, we'll definitely keep it as the working title. Yeah, we'll TM, TM, copyright, copyright. <laughs> Sorry, anyone steals that. James, what have you got? So I've gone for, I've gone for the Teletubbies because all it's already kind of... You could easily made adult because it's in this world where yeah. there's no human beings and there's all only these four creatures 
in this world where nature's taken over and these four androids, these they're kind of humanoid, but they've got like televisions built into them. So maybe they used to be some kind of like house robots that kind of got together and they live inside a bunker. So obviously there was some kind of like nuclear holocaust yeah. of some kind. Maybe they could do some kind of like they would look a bit like the Donnie Darko rabbit. Like, oh, a hundred percent, but with like plasma screens and something yeah. like Cronenberg like would direct it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they would be wandering around and like reaching into each other's stomachs, maybe like getting the food from the television adverts that they get. And I mean, it's basically just it's cross between like scanners and crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible body horror world. I was thinking like Videodrome, but you know, and, the uh, CBBS. Tubby custard everywhere. I saw a picture the other day of them filming Teletubbies and it turns out that they're really, really tall. Yeah, they're massive. They're like six foot seven. Wow. Which has blown s- my mind because That's in my horrific. head they were like children. I've gone for Dennis the Menace as a young mm. adult and he's basically, you know, he was a bit of a tear away when he was a kid so I'm imagining as he gets older he just becomes an absolute reprobate Drug dealing, fighting, violence. The slingshot upgrades to like a yeah. knife. Goes around shanking people. Directed by and, Ken uh, Loach. <laughs> he's got his vile dog that's attacking everyone. He just lets it go on him, just like mental rottweiler thing that National that's will turn awesome. into. And then uh, there's the, but the, the plot of the film is there's a vigilante that's got to stop him basically. So he's like the the town bully. And he's just like ruining lives. And I'd imagine it would be Clint Eastwood because he's just the king of it's the vigilantes. As De- Desperate yeah. Dan just comes in from an, from the Danby to fight Dennis <laughs> yeah. the Menace. Oh, Desperate nice. Clint. And, uh, yeah, so Clint Eastwood with similar, you know, his, uh, that persona from... Uh, what was that? Why Gran Torino. Gran Torino. I can't think of any film names tonight. Uh, just with his gun, just that's get off my lawn, Dennis the that's Menace. A, that sounds, like, you, realistic. You can have in the same world, you can have Postman Pat as the... What was it? The Postman Always Rings Twice. <laughs> as a really R-rated <laughs> sexy film. That's fine with Sam in Backdraft. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing with that nose, Sam? <laughs> Would he just become Dennis the Bastard then? Dennis the... He'd upgraded from Dennis being the a men- bag. Dennis to the stain on Dennis society. The Could it just be Scum 2? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, but it's about Dennis the Menace. Ray, Dennis the young Ray Winston. <laughs> we basically describe Scum without stripy yeah. jumpers. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened. And not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. I am not whatever it is you think I am. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be reviewing Logan, which is apparently going to be the last ever appearance of Wolverine slash Logan, Hugh Jackman playing that character on screen. So it's obviously part of the X-Men canon, the X-Men universe. And uh, a slightly different kind of superhero film to yeah. what we're used to seeing. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Johnny, because you've spoken of your superhero fatigue <laughs> in the past, as have I at length. Um, did this alleviate it or did it make it worse? It was a, a, a brief alleviation, I think. I think the, it certainly tried to do something different, which was admirable. And it tried to make it a more serious take on superheroes and make it grittier and darker and sort of more real-world resonance rather than the overblown Marvel ensemble sort of thing where it's, it's so over-the-top and, and quite glossy. We've seen a lot of that. Recently. Quite yeah. glossy and, and nice, whereas this is basically, you know, Wolverine being a battered middle-aged man who's sort of basically got arthritis in his metal joints. <laughs> so And, and it, you know, it, it brings in a lot more... Get out of the WD-40. You know, it sort of touches on sort of technology and, and changing times and stuff. And it feels a lot more serious and adult for the most part but then it sort of does descend into a bit like let's have some more action all the time. Mm. And because it's rated R, they seem to 
it's that kind of thing where it's like we we can do a bit more violence and chop people's heads off and cut some limbs off and got a bit carried away. So all the previous X Men's have been twelves. Yeah. There, yeah. So this is effectively fifteen. We say R for the English sure, listeners, yeah, which yeah. is fifty. I'd say a hundred percent of our listenership. Yeah. There's a fifteen. So a lot of people are saying this is the best X Men yet. James, you're a big superhero fan. Yeah. Would you agree? I would say so because I'm I'm slightly biased because I'm so familiar with the source material and the comics and the cartoons and stuff. And this felt the most authentic in terms of transcribing the Wolverine character onto screen. Because his whole thing in the comics was he'd go berserk and he'd just like cut dudes in half and yeah, like rip them lose his shit basically. Yeah, and that was like pieces, his yeah. his thing. He was never really main. Character. He had his own stories, but he was part of this X-Men ensemble, but that was his thing. So it was just great to see him just cut dudes in half. And I felt like, I do agree with Johnny in terms of how much it was. It was like, right, let's make up for last time. This is the last time he's going to do it. Let's just yeah. get as much of it in as we can for fan service and fan service alone, I feel, because there were scenes I was like, this isn't really advancing the plot in any way, shape, or form. He's just like beating these dudes up brutally, um, which, I, which I did enjoy. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the most authentic X-Men film. It's nothing like any of the others because it is so real and there's even a scene where he holds up comics doesn't he like the little yeah. girls reading x-men comics and he goes it yeah. didn't happen like this this isn't how it happened it was re- you know we were real people and it is i love when they do very that in much... film this is real life this isn't like yeah, the movie absolutely but it really is kind of making going out of its way just to kind of go this isn't like the other films james uh, sorry johnny you t- touched on the character of wolverine and well i keep saying wolverine the character of logan <laughs> Uh, and how he's very different in this. How, how is he different? Because we've seen him so much on screen. I think James was saying beforehand, he's the longest, we reckon he might be the longest serving... Yeah, I can't remember character. the words of it because it was very specific. He's the longest serving actor to play a single character across a seventeen. Films. Like, was, he's done yeah, that the longest like nine times, times. Seventeen yeah. times yeah. a lot. So how is he different? We've seen him so many different. Well, times. I mean, he obviously, you know, he's obviously got older in that time, but he hasn't really felt like he's aged massively. But this one, you know, he's gone grey and he's battered and he's, he's not even more cantankerous and angry at yeah. everything. And I think the thing I liked about it is that it's sort of created a bit of a western out of it and made Wolverine to sort of like one of those last outlaw characters where the sort of world's changing around him and he can't change with it. So uh, I think that was a nice touch and it's not very subtle, the sort of western allegory, because there's a bit where they're watching Shane Shane with Alan Ladd in a hotel room and it's the end of of Shane where Alan Ladd, they're like, why don't you stay after sort of seeing off the bandits? And he's like, no, I've got to go on because... I don't belong in these nice <laughs> communities. And you're like, that's Wolverine then. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I think that, the, you know, and, and it sort of goes through this sort of pastoral America, through the desert, sure. through the woods, these sort of cornfields and stuff. So definitely sort of tries to play on the Western myth, which yeah. works, but it's like a bit of a sledgehammer at times. Not being a sledgehammer is some of the action scenes in terms of its use yeah. of the CGI and stuff like that. Like some of the other films have just been so overwhelming in their visuals, yeah. in the action scenes and the fight scenes. This has been more of a stripped-back approach. How much has that helped it? I, I think it definitely makes you take it more seriously because he is just there in, like, a shirt and a leather jacket doing yeah. it. He's, no one's dressed up daft. He's no not wearing a suit. crazy villain. <laughs> no, span, no spandex. No spandex. It is just, like, No just blind folks that mysteriously transform him from someone yeah. totally different into someone else. <laughs> I like Hulk where his pants just grow with him <laughs> and then back, which has bothered me since the dawn of time, but we can ask another podcast entirely. It, it does do a really good job, I felt, in terms of grounding it, which I know 
a lot of superheroes say, yeah, man, you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a gritty version. Batman vs Superman is gritty, man. It's like, no, it's just at night time and no one's, <laughs> yeah. and no one's happy with what's going on. Yeah. That, that is not, you know, that's not the way to do it. But, but I felt this, this, this was, this was kind of gritty and dark and more realistic than... Yeah. I think the best parts of the film is when it's Charles Xavier and Logan in the car and they sort of have this love-hate relationship where Logan begrudgingly sort of looks after him and he's like a you know old man who keeps telling him off so they sort they're they're reminiscing about the past it's kind of them having to both of them i'm not gonna even any 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 spoilers or anything like that i'll talk about but they're getting to the end of their you know x-men careers and things like that so they're discussing what's happened to like get a a portrait of a spitfire there's there's no like x-men anymore and it's like well where did the others go and all that kind of thing so they're it's like the x-men doesn't exist anymore so they're like discussing like how that went and like how they feel about it and what they've done with their lives and stuff and it's really interesting to see because you don't um, they're, they're debriefing their lives and their, their careers and for a lot of people myself included these are characters that have been with me since I was like eight years old so it wasn't just they're on screen every now and then it's like in my head they're off fighting bad guys you know when I was younger all, all the time so they were kind of debriefing that and talking about it and it was it was very a very good kind of breakdown and conclusion like it was good that they went into it going this is it, you know. Without the superhero element, it could just be one of those 70s yeah. films about broken men travelling across yeah. America, like Easy Rider or something. <laughs> but then you sort of... Less motorbikes. You sort of, you know, it More comes calls. back and, and then it all goes into action mode and all these kids and stuff. And sure. you're sort of a bit sad that it can't carry on with the sort of this two guys yeah. on the run sort of thing. So, yeah. rating out of 10, James, I'll come to you first. Oh God, I hate giving things rating. Less pain than usual, but still, still a fair amount of pain. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's because when I first saw it, I came out thinking that was absolutely incredible, and I probably would have given it like a nine. But I think realistically, I'd give it an eight, mm-hmm. and I think that's purely because I I love Wolverine; he's my favourite superhero, and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I kind of held it in higher esteem than maybe it probably should have, but I I really enjoyed it. Jay Smizzle. I think I'll go slightly. I'll just go with a seven. Seven. In that it was definitely an improvement on the usual superhero fare, which has become, as we've discussed, quite tedious. <laughs> Wolverine is one of the only, one of the few characters you can really do this sort of film with, where you can get a really battered and broken bloke yeah. and put him in this context, and it comes quite nicely. Whereas I think if you did it with, you know, Iron Man or something, it's not going to have the sure, same I effect. Completely agree. Yeah. Wolverine is just, you know, a bloke who wants to be in a log cabin, really. Very He's visceral. just a soldier that he just dragged into yeah. this life of killing and murdering. He's that sort of, like that. you know, low-key, you know, angst and, and yeah. guilt, which yeah. I think works. So, yeah, it's definitely improvement, but there's, you know, it can't quite get away from being a superhero film. This is what life looks like. You should take a moment. Feel it. You still have time. Right, top five time, and it's uh, it's Johnny. It Johnny's is. Johnny's top five. Last we week we had James man. eventually working out what he was trying to get at. I got a lot of stick from numerous people about that top five. Like, I couldn't believe the amount of flack of people on Facebook messaging me. Oh, like, coming to me in person that song and being like, did you really put, like, try and put Purple Rain in there? Did you really put Purple Rain? I think all but one of them had a caveat, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. maybe, yeah. Um, so I liked it, good films. Thank you. It was a good list. It was so long ago, I I completely forgot what the top five was, but it's all come flooding back now. (laughs) 
Um, I've gone for a top five, which was quite difficult to compile, and I'm having a lot of second thoughts. In keeping with top five, yes. Yeah. So it's basically five. <laughs> one, day, one day we'll just come and say top five. One, two, three, four, five, bam. Bang, that's Out. it. Quiz. So here's a, here's a nice, you know, controversial list of five actors who are basically forever haunted by one role. Who you always, they're always <laughs> defined by that one role. Is this and just they can't film? get away from Is it. Is this just film or is number one uh, Carlton from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? No, that, no. I, that would have been number one, but I stayed away from television as much as possible. So I've, there were a few I put in and I took them out. So we'll have to Ooh. argue this out. So at number five, I've gone with Roger Moore. Because you could go yeah. with any Bond, but actually, yeah. Sean Connery will always be Bond. But Sean Connery has done a lot of other stuff. He has. And I he's want, escaped yeah. the shadow of Bond Definitely. quite well. I because he had the years to do it. I think I once had a description of Sean Connery is saying, you go to see a film, you don't, see, go to, to, go, you don't go to see to a film to see Sean Connery play a Russian submarine captain or a British agent like in The Rock. You go to see Sean Connery be Sean Connery. Yes. And that's why he's like transcended all his sure. roles. It's just Sean Connery in all the films. And he can say things like schismatics and other such fun <laughs> phrases. Uh, but Paul Roger Moore um, hasn't really cracked on since He's Bond. Not. He was in The Saint before, but yeah. then uh, did Bond until he was 58 years old when he was in A View to Kill. So wow. yeah. he was and basically he was, on the Zimmer frame by that point. He was long past it by he then. He was. Um, so, I mean, the only thing that I remember seeing him in since Bond was... Uh, boat trip in two thousand and three with Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that that's pretty much the career says it killer. All. That is a, that film is one of that that film actually. If we were having a serious list of the worst films we've ever seen, <laughs> that'd be on there. Hundred percent top five. Awful. And followed by Snow Dogs. Snow. I've not seen Snow Dogs. Snow but... Dogs. I remember also being quite <laughs> bad. But I think you could let Snow Dogs off, surely, because it's made for kids, isn't it? So it's maybe I don't know. I remember what? seeing him recently cameo in something, but I can't remember. He what does it was. a lot of uh, you know. Roger Moore goes to somewhere and talks an evening with Roger Moore. The adverts, his... the adverts for the post office. That's the most recent <laughs> thing I can remember seeing him in. Number four, I've gone with Sylvester Stallone, who, despite you know doing everything from Judge Dread mm. to Spy mm. Kids Three, <laughs> he's you know he is mumbling Rocky. I think he's got two roles. I think Rambo as well. I was torn. Oh, yeah, I was torn by that. So, I but can... I still think if he's... it was actors defined by two roles, that's a different list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've got yeah. I think just think Rocky shadows it. He you know he's even in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, I'm gonna have to put this into the purple rain pile. <laughs> the, pu- the purple rain pile. <laughs> the purple oh. rain pile. My favorite role of Sylvester Stallone is in First Blood, so that's why I've got. A... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen him recently in Creed. Do you see Creed? No, I didn't. No, see I him. didn't see. But he I heard good. Very good in that. I watched that last week. Yeah, he's very good in that. Again, more mm-hmm. more Rocky then. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Moving on, number three <laughs> is Mark Hamill, who oh, yeah. will always Perfect. be Jedi Master Luke Skywalker yeah. because Luke be he Jedi really Jedi. hasn't done a lot apart from voicing the Joker. No, he does loads in, of voice work. And yeah. That was it. Um, and so obviously he hasn't really done a lot until The Force Awakens, where he got a good twelve seconds of of staring. Of, you know, Luke Skywalker back in there, so... I think you're on safe ground there. That's fine. Number two is I did it, and then I thought maybe I shouldn't do it, but I'd already written the paragraph, so it's tough shit. It's Prince in Purple it's, Rain. <laughs> 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 it's uh, Christopher Lee, who, despite being in 244 roles over his career, is Dracula and will ever forever be Dracula. 
But then the Scaramanga. more yes, and then I realised he was also in Lord of the Rings and Star Wars <laughs> and the Wicker Man, and I thought I've done him a disservice. <laughs> you ruined so. But he was Dracula ten times. I st- I still think of Boris Karloff when I think Dracula. But he was Frankenstein, wasn't he? Or the Mummy? I'm always all of Boris Karloff. To be fair, that was all of them. Christopher Lee was at one point Frankenstein's monster as well. Was he? I think Christopher Lee was Hammer Horror. So he yeah, was, he, he was, was he was Mister Hammer Horror. But obviously there was a few different roles within there. So it's kind of like saying Kenneth Williams is, you know... Carry On. Yeah, one of, one of... I can't think of any character in a Carry On film. But you know what I mean? Always yeah. playing like that similar role. Yeah, yeah but that's not true. The exact, not the exact same character. But a good anecdote I saw was that by 1966, he was so sick of playing Dracula and the script was so bad, he refused to do any lines. But instead of sacking him, Hammer said, we'll just make him a mute Dracula. <laughs> Like so the genius. film went ahead and he didn't say any lines. <laughs> so Star power. So diva. Star power. I'm going to do the film, I'm just not going to say, say anything. And uh, he's also in Fleming's step cousin. All right. They, I mean, there are so many good facts about Christopher Lee. What a fact. fact yeah. yeah. Amongst other, other things, like he saw the last man in France to be killed with a guillotine when he was 17. <laughs> and I think he was in the war. Christopher Lee, you know, he he might be known as Dracula, but his real life way more exciting. Next to a top five fact on Christopher Lee. This is gold, magic. Coming back. When were they using the guillotine still in France? I mean, Christopher Lee was pretty old, so probably saw a Louis the Fourteenth guillotine. With his uh, sans culottes. (laughs) Bit of French Revolution guy for you there. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Bastille. So, moving on from Christopher Lee. Christopher Reeve, because we've gone full circle back to superheroes. Yeah. And Christopher Reeve was, of course, Superman. He was. Yeah, that's fair. And he is probably the definitive Superman. Um, obviously, had his, his... What about Henry Cavill? Well, I said, compared to Flying Wardrobe, mm. Henry Cavill... <laughs> yeah. I can't literally name you another film he was in. No. You used to get a lot of stick from um, Eminem. Christopher Reeves. Poor Christopher Reeves. He used to pop up in all his songs. He's obviously more of a Batman fan. One of the great things about one of his Superman films is he goes to the UN building, and it's not the UN building, it's just Milton Keynes train station. (laughs) Which is often mistaken. You know, I quite often have got off at the train at Milton Keynes and seen uh, UN diplomats. The amount of fucking asking at Milton Keynes station. I'm looking for Kofi Annan. (laughs) Sorry, we only uh, do trains to Leamington Spa. Okay. (laughs) Shit. I'll just take one of those then, please. <laughs> Johnny, I think you got three out of five that were acceptable, which equals James' record from last week. So maybe what were next, honourable mentions? Maybe next week. Honor- I thought five Arnold five Schwarzenegger is the Terminator, the but then, you, you know, but Predator. Then, uh, yeah, he, he became a character of himself, Mondo. really, didn't he? Uh, Bruce Willis, I thought, was has done enough. Die hard. Although, he, you know, he's really milked the diet hard. I think I'm pretty good with Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe was, but yeah. to be fair, Daniel Radcliffe has Still, he's, shed he's, the Harry yeah. Potter skin. Whereas, and his clothes. He also has a lot of yes. his career left, so it's kind of tough to... Maybe Elijah Wood. I don't think he's got as much career left as you, you might give him credit for there, James. <laughs> On this, the eve of the Sabbath of the undead, I call upon you to witness my super Dream triumph and Helsing. I choose the spawn of your blood to be my consort. Right, so we've had the top five, so it must be quiz time, as per. Uh, and in honour of Logan's last appearance, I was going to do last appearances of characters in film, but a lot of them are just too obvious, so I decided to do last appearances of an actor in a film. So... 
It's the last ever film that these guys appeared in. I'm going to do the fastest finger thing. Uh, so, number one, we're going to start off with James Dean. Eh. Rebel Without Cars. No. Uh, that's my noise. That's not me thinking. <laughs> yeah. uh, Giant. Giant, yeah. I feel like there's not a lot between those two. No. Like, months in it. Well, yeah, he's, I don't think, I think there was a lot between both. most of his films. So, yeah. Giant was his last on-screen appearance. But Rebel Without a Cause, you know, not too far off. Uh, number two. Those who listened last week. Peter Finch. Eh. Network. Yes. Equaliser. 1-1. One, one. Number three. Heath Ledger. Eh. James. The imaginary of Dr. Penatus. Yes. I thought you were going to say that. I was like, Super. wait, I was like, oh, yeah. damn you. I thought that was a bit of a tester. It was. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. That was an awful awesome. film, though. Shocking. Yeah. Terrible. When you're just throwing actors in willy nilly, yeah, you've not got a consistent plot. No, where you like, can replace who's, the main actor three times. Who's free today? Then I'll get Johnny Depp in for a I mean, day. With such a great title, how could it have been a bad such, film? Such a catchy title. Yeah. Uh, that's number three. Number four. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'll give it to Johnny because you're in the lead. Uh, if he doesn't get it, fiddled stick. I I the know it, but I can't remember. I'm just going to the master because I can't remember the, what the master. I bu- I believe it was reviews? the Hunger Games part, um, whatever the last one, Mockingjay part two. Okay. Is it? I. Well, I read it Ooh. was this. I think I know I what it, it is. And but... now you've just said that, that's thrown a big curveball in. Is it like he a, died a wanted whilst... man or something? A most wanted man. Yes. Now you've said that. But I thought, because he died during it and they had to rearrange uh... all the shoot. So I thought Ooh. that one was... Wow. I tell you what, there's only one way to find I'm this out. Find out. Can... Ask, is have a seance <laughs> and ask Philip Seymour Hoffman himself. <laughs> the, mag- the magic of radio, the magic of radio, no, we, we're about to, room. we can pause this. And Cal can cut this bit out, That's and we true. will find out what the That's actual true. answer was. I'm not cutting that out. According to IMDb, Hunger Games was released after Most Wanted Man. Whatever sketchy website I got these answers from is incorrect. I'm going to give that answer to James. Three-one. Ah. So he's. You can't catch him, Johnny. But this is for this is for the moral vic- moral victory because <laughs> this is the hardest one. Number five, the late great Robin Williams. Not his finest work. I thought it might be the English man in New York, but I don't think it's the English man in the world, but I don't think it is. It, it's, I'll give you a clue. It's a franchise. Flubber. <laughs> Flubber 2. That multi-film franchise, Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Night of the Museum. Yeah. Three. The Secret of the Tomb. More shit in the yeah. museum. <laughs> yeah. Night of the Museum. Night of the Museum 3. Tomb. Why won't someone close this fucking museum down? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go out, though. So was Ricky we got... Gervais in that one? Oh, I didn't see it. He was in number two, wasn't he? Was he? So we had James Dean in Giant, Peter Finch in Network, great films, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, The Most Wonderful Man, average film, uh, Heath Ledger in The Imaginary of Dr. Panassas and Robin Williams really didn't do their best work in their final films, sadly. Not a way to go out for the great guys, but, you know. And Roger Moore will go out being remembered for Boat Trip. That's what they'll pl- That's the screenshot they'll put on at the Oscars at the memorial. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best thing yeah. ever. And then they come and get Cuba Gooding Jr. to come and do his speech. <laughs> it's what he would want. Why, well, I see you took the omelette, the waffles, and the flapjacks. Hungry little man, aren't you? Do you care for a bite of my sausage? In England, we call them bangers. <laughs> Right, it is time for the title game to play us out tonight. Or as I like to call it, the plot predictor. <laughs> I don't like to call it that, that's the first time I've ever done it. 
So I've got one that's top of the top of the plots. Top of the plots. plots. Oh, that's so choice. That's great. I love it. <laughs> it's a bit it. too close to top of the plops, though. Yeah, it sounds is. like a different game. Well, no, when I read it, it comes, if I read what I've written, it's probably going to be close to that. So uh, the one I've gone for is pretty left field. So please, please bear with me on this one. Um, so the film is called Don't Knock Twice. Like, keep, like the po- not the postman then. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no, the postman definitely should not. I'm going to struggle getting over the first two words. So Keith Chagwin. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> I'm on board. Oh, Sign God. Right, okay. Where I do I get, sign? I need to get Brackets, this. Cheggers. <laughs> from here forward. From here, Comma, here forward. Dennis. <laughs> from here forward. <laughs> if Cheggs not available. <laughs> Keith Chegwin has fallen on hard times once again. <laughs> I was going to say, when's Keith Chegwin not, not in hard times? Please, I'm going to struggle with this. <laughs> After a disappointed meeting with his lawyers and finances, he is now bankrupt and has no legal case against the blatant fraudsters Ninja Warrior. So Keith has no choice but to knock again. Dragging the old inflatables out one more time, it's another knockout. Plagued with legal issues and health and safety inspectors, Keith's backyard bash is swiftly shut down, threatening to put Keith on the street or on Frank Bruno, Bruno's futon once again. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bruno's futon sounds like a sex position. <laughs> Thinking all is lost, a chance encounter with genius millionaire Elon Musk sets him straight. Elon tells him not to knock twice, not to ask for permission, but to just do. To enter, knocking implies a request. Elon wants him just to be. So funded by Musk and Tesla, Keith designs a legally different yet entirely inspired knockout assault course. Keith finally swapped foam rubber suits for spacesuits and transcends borders and planets, becoming the first human to host a game show in space. Oh, that's superb. Don't uh, knock ooh. twice. I mean, it sounds brilliant, but I've, I've found one massive flaw with it. Yeah. Didn't Stuart Hall do the commentary on it to knock out? He did, but Keith Chegger's hosted it for two years, and it's synonymous with Keith Chegger. Was it Chegger. Wipeout? Was it Wipeout? No, Stuart Hall did Stuart host... Did, yeah, did, did do the voiceovers for um, It's, it's knockout. knockout, but Keith Chegger hosted it. And I it spent was... some of the legal issues with Stuart Hall doing the commentary. <laughs> yeah. And... yeah. I felt like it was synonymous and that was kind of like what Keith Chegwin built a lot of his career around. I mean, the ch- I feel like... <laughs> Where did that come from? Is that an actual thing? Did it actually happen? Uh, no, well, no, Frank Bruno was a referee on it to knock out. So thought, well, maybe they can't prove otherwise. It you can't tell me he didn't happen. sleep on Frank Bruno's boots. I feel oh. like, you know, people like Noel Edmonds and the Chuckle Brothers could, yeah. could make good cameos. Oh, God, Absolutely, Chuckles, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It would be a sad day when there's only one Chuckle Brother, when, when Paul or Barry... I like to think on. that they'd go within 24 hours of each other. <laughs> <laughs> that one the of picture them of them yeah. holding hands. Yeah, and it was just... <laughs> like Johnny and June Carter Cash. Yeah, like they'd just yeah. know. Just couldn't live without each right. other. Yeah, it'd just be like, to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, he'd be, and then he'd look up at this guy and he'd go, to you, and then he'd die. <laughs> God... <laughs> Can you imagine the pool bearers at that funeral? Oh, God. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> but I hope they're all right. I hope when this is published, they're both okay. Oh, superb. You've done well to absolutely butcher all childhood memories. This <laughs> yeah. It's been a, you know, a real solid effort yeah. to destroy anything, <laughs> in a, anything innocent. Gone. Yeah. Uh, best guess for me? Probably a wanking incident. You know, the old... Uh, Belt around the door handle job. Knocking uh, uh, one out. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. What are you going to knock one out now? 
Yeah, I once got that idea in my head. I can't get rid of it. Well, after that, listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, remember, you can catch us on iTunes and SoundCloud and get following the Movie Men's show on Twitter because we look hideously unpopular at the moment. Uh, and the latest picture show.com, Johnny's blog, what's on there? You've been quite active recently, I think. Oh, I think so, but I can't remember what I've done on there. In fact, you've been more active in your pie punditry. Just fill everyone in on what you've been doing pie-wise. I did. Recently. Last uh, Wednesday, I went to the British Pie Awards to do some pie judging <laughs> in uh, Melton Mobile. Obviously, pie the home of pork pies and Stilton. Absolutely. Uh, so I tried twenty-five different sports pies. <laughs> Your life is ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ludicrous. What a ludicrous day out. Uh, what was the best pie? What was it? Um, it was a mixed bag. I, mean, I would, I would say it on the sports categories. Someone handed us a apple pie. Well, I don't know what sport ground they've been at, but... Uh, the baseball stadium? Certainly not what I'm getting from my football grounds. Whoever knew that the that pie punditry could be so lucrative and bring you in so, to so many different places, Johnny? I've seen the world. As far afield as Melton Mowbray. And I went and I had to change at Leicester and Sheffield. So I saw a lot of the country that day. Very exciting. And Nuneaton. Beautiful part of the world, Nuneaton. My mate once lived in a cupboard on a uh, on a mattress in Nuneaton, and our other mate went to visit him, and he you know he, he was into his drugs a little bit. This mate of ours, and um, he he was doing. I a imagine bit of coke. you do to end up in a wardrobe <laughs> with a mattress. He was, doing, he was doing a bit of coke with his dad, who he was living with, and then he just said to our mate, he goes, "Yeah, some sometimes though, like my dad's doing, I just smoke it." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you smoke it." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know that's crack." <laughs> He's like, I'm sure it's you're Moorish. living in a cupboard on a mattress smoking crack with his dad that's with the weirdest bit yeah. <laughs> not in some sort of student yeah. hovel yeah. or you know squatting with your dad yeah. we sort himself out in the army now what Melton Mowbray no no none eaten so that's it from us for another week guys we're all off to perform a Frank Bruno's futon see you later <laughs> <laughs>